It's another week of Surviving Creativity, the show all about following your dreams, becoming your own boss, and surviving the process. Surviving Creativity is now available on iTunes. Just search Surviving Creativity, add it to your queue, and you'll get updated every time we've got a new episode. Remember, Surviving Creativity is made possible by listeners like you. If you like what you hear, please consider becoming a patron. Head to patreon.com forward slash surviving creativity. I'm your co-host, Corey Cassoni, and I'm joined every week by Brad Geiger and Scott Kurtz. We discuss relevant news, have guests on the show, and talk about how technology is changing the way that we survive creativity in the world of new media. This week's an interesting conversation about provocative art and whether or not a company deciding not to use it is censorship. Hint, it's not. We also talk about online harassment, how we forgive and if we can forget. And we get a little personal this week with a discussion about artists and mental illness. As always, it's a fantastic conversation. Things get a little heated. So sit back, relax, and enjoy another week of Surviving Creativity. Good to go. It's been a drama-filled drama week in comics. Yeah, it has. Wow, you can say <laughs> that again. Doesn't it feel... Hold on. Uh, start recording. I am. <laughs> doesn't, it, uh, doesn't it feel a little like uh, uh, a little high schooly though? Like a little high school drama? It does, right? That just means... Yeah, a little bit. I don't know. I think... Uh, I think it's a matter of... Um, Whenever um, there's a shift, right? <laughs> Do you remember Bloom County? Brad, you might remember this, but there was a Bloom County strip where these two old people are sitting in their living room and, and it's like there's an earthquake and she goes, well, the country just shifted to the left again. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it feels like that, right? So whenever, whenever there's, I don't know, it just feels like there's change in the air and... Both crazy sides go nuts, right? Like, right, right. right. The nutsos on the side of <laughs> there's the people in the middle are like, well, we should change this. That'd make everything better. And you go, yeah. And then on one side, it's like, no, fuck you. Nothing should ever change. And you're like, all right, take it easy. And, and then on the other side, it's like, yeah, and also kill everyone. And you're like, what? <laughs> no, that's too far. <laughs> well, yeah, and 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 you want to be thoughtful, and you want to react to these things, and and it's like you're so scared of of pissing off this group and that group that it makes it kind of scary to even talk about this stuff. You know what's awesome is now that I'm 44 and officially way too old for this shit. <laughs> like I'm not keeping up with it as well as I used to, and it's just nice to to kind of have to have someone come in and go. Hey, did you hear that this happened? You're like, what? Is that what the kids are talking about? You're sitting in your rocking chair on your porch, yeah. sipping your sweet tea, and you don't exactly. realize any of this shit is going on. Because who gives a fuck? Uh, right. Well, the first thing uh, was this uh, comic cover for Batgirl. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's... Boy, oh, hoy. Oh, I'm ready. I'm ready because I think you and I are going to come down on opposite sides of this, Scott Kurtz. 
No, how yeah. could we? I say change the cover. Yeah, it has to change. It's completely inappropriate. Damn it, I thought you and I oh, were going to go at it. <laughs> well, hold on. Hold, it, it, however, change the cover why? Because change the cover I, I get, but there's a lot of reasons why, and I want to hear your why. Who's first? Uh, because you don't put... Um, well... <sighs> There's a couple reasons why you should change the cover. Um, first of all, it's an amazing cover. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it's beautiful and terrifying. I mean, Raphael it, Albuquerque is amazing. I mean, all those as, things need to be said. It's a it's a terrifying image. As yeah. far as far as of you know, like him him executing what he wanted to. Well done, mm-hmm. right? Like, no, joke. I audibly gasped when I saw it. The problem is. That in order to make his statement, he had to um, monopolize on a couple established concepts, and and the, it's the juxtapositioning of the concepts that makes it so shocking of a cover, yeah. and also completely inappropriate. Right. Just completely inappropriate, and the reason why is because he's borrowing on. What happened in the comic, The Killing Joke? Mm-hmm. Twenty-five years ago. Where worth, 20... worth noting, this was this comic came out a long time ago. Where twenty-five years ago, the Joker brutally shot Barbara Gordon in her stomach, shattering her spine. Then took naked photos of her, and who knows what else? A lot mm. was implied. Uh, there was uh, she was assaulted by the Joker. I mean, it was a brutal assault. It was mm-hmm. not cool. And, I mean, it's a prime example of a w- women in refrigerators, too, right? Like, the only reason for Batgirl to be in that comic is to be victimized so that she's motivation for the male leads to do the right thing and apparently just kind of have a chuckle with the Joker at the end. Like, it's well, a and, fucked up comic. And that was mm-hmm. why, as well, it's important to note that the, the whole reason Joker did this was because he was holding uh, Commissioner Gordon hostage, and Barbara right. Gordon being his daughter, Batgirl being his daughter. He did all this literally to torture him. It, it was it's it is a woman in a refrigerator. It's the same thing. No, yeah, it is it is like a prime example. Um, so since then, uh, Batgirl has been rebooted, and Barbara Gordon is not the Oracle who was shot by the Joker. They erased that. Mm-hmm. So, which you know, is good. Because it was time, right? It yeah. was time to kind of free her of that. And, and the new so Batgirl now you have, comic is great. Well, and the new Batgirl comic is also... It's, it's, aimed, it's aimed at teens, it's younger. It's aimed at teens, it's, it's aimed at bringing in young girls, it's, it's, it's aimed at inclusion and, and reaching out. And it's, if it's for a younger audience, it's a lighter tone of a book. Yeah, right. And that's the why that resonated a lot with me was was when people started saying, "Well, listen, this doesn't fit the book. You know, this this isn't no, the right. It doesn't matter right whether for this comic. That's not the only reason, dude. The, the no, whole point of the cover <laughs> is the, is the Joker, reason. the Joker telling this teenager, um, in a really weird meta way, like, remember the time in that other world when I shot and raped you? <laughs> well, and she's terrified. Yeah. I mean, she's completely being victimized and brutalized in this cover. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. 
Like, I, I understand Raphael for going, oh, I could do this, and God, wouldn't that be shocking and terrifying? And it is. Mm-hmm. But, like, I don't know how it makes it to cover. I just don't. Well, uh, it's important to note it was a variant. And for anyone who doesn't know, a variant cover is, like, it's like a special cover that there are only a limited number of, and you pay usually a lot extra for it at a comic shop. It's very... Maybe. Uh, it, yeah, a lot of times. It's very around built around the whole like collector's market and so it's niche right um i have totally different reasons than you for thinking that cover should be pulled go ahead i i think the image uh is gorgeous and terrifying and shocking and and yeah inappropriate but i think it's good art i think Raphael did an amazing work that that incites an emotional response which is in in my opinion of art is what art should do I think the cover mm-hmm. should be pulled because the creative team on Batgirl said this this doesn't fit the tone of our comic. Take it down. And and Raphael, to his credit, went to DC and said, "Yeah, I made a mistake. This doesn't fit the tone of the comic. I thought it was an amazing image, and it it brought up all this stuff for me for Batgirl and uh, and you know." And but DC I don't said, understand. Yeah, I mean, look, no offense to Raphael, but there's nothing about this cover. That isn't. Um, there's no reason to think this cover is cool, other than, oh, the Joker's gonna brutalize this girl. <coughs> you see what I'm saying? It's not like. Oh, I absolutely do, and I agree. There's nothing. You. There's nothing. I mean, it's like um, it'd be like the cover of a comic where a serial killer. It's right before he kills the woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, there's plenty of comics out there like that. I mean, right? That's... I know that, but but <laughs> but not but Batgirl. What I'm, but not Batgirl. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I I don't disagree with you. I I mean, I think for, I think the content comic, alone. The... I mean, look, look. When you're brainstorming an idea for a cover and it pops in your head, I just don't see how it got past the. Wouldn't this be a cool sketch? And they're like, oh, yeah, but don't make – you can't do that. Holy shit. That's I terrifying. Think, I think that part of the reason why is is often you know, editorial is separate from these variant images that are coming out. It's more of a – I'm not talking about editorial. I'm talking about the artist. I'm talking about Raphael. Like who wants to draw an image of what's, what's fun about the whole purpose of this cover is that Batgirl is going to get really brutalized here in a second. Like it's a moment of – utter terror. Remember when you were in high school and there was always one guy, Brad, who wanted to hang out with you because you both drew things and his com- his sketchbook was full of fucked up shit? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I remember that guy. You know that guy. And he was really into heavy metal. It's just dicks with eyeballs all over it. And... <laughs> no, it was just really gross stuff. Well, or, or no, like again, victimization kind of images. Uh, okay, but... What I'm saying is there's nothing about this cover that doesn't boil down to the victimization of a teen, right? Isn't she a teen? She is, yeah, in this universe, yeah. So how is that okay to even make it? Like, what uh, was he thinking? I, I mean, I can't answer that question for Raphael. For, well, for let me I'll ask you this. Let thinking. me ask you I'll this. You. Go ahead. Let me ask you this. What if, like, someone asked me to draw a cover to My Little Pony... Boom asked me to do a My Little Pony. Yeah. And I said, I'm gonna have um I'm gonna have a picture of um it's gonna be a commentary on how horses shouldn't be raced because like 
at the Kentucky Derby, if a horse throws a knee, they just kill it. So it's Twilight Sparkle, and the vet's got a gun to her head. And her, and knees, it's, her knees all busted. Her up knees and, all fucking twisted backwards. And in, in the background, there's a glue factory just waiting. And, 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 and the owner is right, right next to that. Right next to that, there's an Alpo factory where they make the dog food. Like no one could argue that that wasn't art. No one couldn't. No one could argue that it wasn't making a statement or that sure. it wasn't provocative. But it's, why the fuck make it? To answer uh, the question, is it appropriate? The answer is no. No, I agree with you. I a hundred percent agree with you. But what I'm saying is, it has nothing to do with whether or not it's appropriate for the book. It's not appropriate for any book. What what comic is? <coughs> What a fucked up comic is DC publishing where that's an appropriate backdrop? <laughs> it's not, and that's why I mean, and that's why it was pulled. I'm agreeing right. with you. I now, know, but when but it, come, when it comes means to that, it made it through. Right, right, yeah, right. Well, it had to go through to, in order to get pulled. I, it, I and I, I think that's where the breakdown, uh, you know, at, at these comic companies is happening. Is there's no you know, there's there's a, a disconnect between the editorial team and the creative team who are working on the book and the team that was hiring Raphael to draw this image. In terms of just the image itself, I'm talking about in pure art, in terms of the image itself, I think it's a fantastic image. I think I, I think it incites exactly what it should incite. I think it's terrible for the book. Uh, you know, it never should have gotten as far as it did. And maybe well, they're going to change their policies there now so that it doesn't get that far. I kind of agree with you when you say that, Corey, and I think it also answers the question uh, of, uh, you know, why do the do the image? And that is, in in my own personal opinion, your job as an artist is to push the boundaries as far as they'll go. Your job isn't necessarily to pull back. Your job is to push forward. And it was it really was DC's job to say, nah, you know what? Bring it, bring her back from that. But he 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 knew this. Raphael knew that he could produce a, a terrifying image. Uh, and and when he his job as an artist is to say, what about this? Now their job is to say, not it, that's not going to work. And then he pulls back. Yeah. But I don't know that that you can do good art by by playing it conservative all the time. You've, you've got to push it. I, I don't Look, the there's a million other Joker variant covers. You can go look at them all, and it's everyone fighting the Joker, or it's something silly. But with Batgirl, suddenly it's... Remember that time I raped the other version <laughs> of you and shot you in the stomach and shattered your spine and wrecked your life and tortured you for your uh, to motivate your dad and to torture your dad? Remember that? It's going to happen again. Be scared, and there's it's that's the problem. That's the problem. Mm -hmm. It's indicative of the problem that everyone's fighting out against. Because if you look at these other Joker variant covers, it's all completely silly. Yeah. But or, for Batgirl, fighting, yeah, yeah. I mean, it totally piggybacks off of that. Well, I I think maybe Scott, in a way, what you're saying is it's uh, it, you're you're disagreeing with Brad in that it. <laughs> It's the easy out. It's the one connection that those two characters have. And maybe instead of pushing the boundaries, it's the opposite. Maybe it's the it, that's the obvious go-to. It's the most terrific, it's most terrifying, it's the most inciting. Mm. You know, like maybe it's the opposite of pushing the boundaries. Yeah, that's a good point. I don't know. I I 
normally when these kerfuffles pop up, I have to have someone explain it to me. This cover <laughs> this actually exactly actually shocked me. <laughs> yeah. I remember reading The Killing Joke and liking it all the way until the end. Yeah. And yeah. thinking that it was too much for me. I think and I remember the... hiding that comic. I oh, really? It. Yeah, I got rid of it. I didn't want my parents to find it because at the end, like, he's it's in a pretty... carnival and oh, Gordon's yeah, naked yeah. through the weird. roller coaster. Yeah, Gordon's fucking naked in the funhouse and he's seeing pictures of his naked daughter and it's yeah. like – and it was just a lot. It was mm. just a lot. And I remember hiding it until I could give it to a friend. <laughs> Honestly, there was one other comic I did that Bill Willingham accidentally sold me his erotic comic <laughs> at a convention. His like his like xenophile. Uh, yeah, it was called Ironwood, and I didn't piece it together. And I got it home, and it was fantasy fucking, and I yeah, hid it. I hid the, the comic. <laughs> I, I wonder. <laughs> Ironwood, and you, and Ironwood you together. I wonder I how was much... like 17, dude. <laughs> I wonder how much of the online backlash of people that because it seems to me right now that the the change the cover hashtag, which is where a lot of this started, mm -hmm, is mm -hmm. mostly filled with people being mad at DC over free speech or censorship or whatever. Uh, it's this is not that issue, by the way, for you people who are tweeting that you're wrong. Sorry, I'll explain it in a minute. But uh, shit, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> <laughs> I I wonder how much uh god fuck I don't remember what I was going to say. No, I'll tell you. Hold on. Oh. Uh, you were we... saying that the outlash over change the cover hashtag was over censorship, but mm -hmm. uh that Oh shit, now I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> that it's not as free speech issue. Oh, oh, no, 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 no. I remember where I was going. Uh mm -hmm. okay, okay. I'll I'll edit this part out. Uh I no, I probably won't edit this part out. I'll leave it in. <laughs> I wonder how much of the the hashtag with the with the change the cover thing are people that have never read the Killing Joke. Ah, uh, that's a really good question because it's so long ago. I mean, it was. Yeah. I think that was published in '88. Uh, we're talking. We're pushing 30 years on that now. I mean, yeah, that's true. The majority of the people that are probably like, "Oh, this image is perfect. The Joker is so evil, and mm -hmm. Batgirl is scared, and it's showing a hero in a moment of like." You know, because there's been so many covers of like, yeah, Superman I guess if you remove the somebody, killing joke out of it, it's not as it tonally. It still does not fit the book even a little bit like right. at all, uh, you know, and, and if you haven't read the new Batgirl, it is one of it is one of the better, if not the best of the DC reboots for their comics. And you should go pick it up. And mm -hmm. the creative team's doing a fantastic job. Uh, I mean, that that should be said immediately. And I'm not a superhero comic reader, but every now and then I'll pick that one up because it's fun. You know, it's it's just fun. It feels like fun superhero stuff again. Like what superheroes It's good. Be. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I wonder I wonder how much of this, uh, you know, ODC, how could you change the cover is by people who are totally unaware of the killing joke, haven't read it, know nothing about it or don't have that same effect. That's a really, really good question. In other words, they don't have that same perspective. They're not bringing everything to the table that uh, older comics readers are. I think a majority of it, though, is that it's mostly people 
who feel very uncomfortable with the conversation, mm -hmm. who don't want to think that they're a part of a problem, who don't want to stop to consider that things they've been enjoying are probably bad or have been um, demeaning to a whole section of comic readers. And this is another opportunity for them to be reminded that they're a bad person, that they've been supporting bad things, and that's the way they're looking at it, and then there's a backlash against it. Mm -hmm. And I think that contributes to the whole Eric Larson thing, too. Where he was uh, oh, yeah, uh, talking about the well. vocal minority in terms of covering Man, up Wonder Woman. Good Christ, what happened in comics this week? <laughs> it is like I don't a, know. It's, everyone's on some kind of crazy juice, and they're all just freaking out. Well, it started on this Eric Larson, Larson Eric Larson just feels that... Um, Eric Larson feels that there's some kind of a vocal minority that's pushing for redesigns of superheroine costumes because it's time to bring some kind of feminism into comics and that that's trumping good design and that there's no need to do it because there's nothing wrong with the costumes as they are. Spider-Woman is completely covered neck to toe. So is the Invisible Girl. Why do you need to change her costume? Because it because it's form fitting and you can see her body. You know now Spider Woman is wearing kind of a jacket, a different thing, and he feels that that's not as good of a design. And so, and he was also pointing out how you can take Power Girl's costume, which is ostensibly the most objectifying costume in superheroes, and if one guy draws it, it's provocative, but when Bruce Tim draws it, it's not. Mm-hmm. And so um, he feels that things are going crazy, that that it's a bunch of executives and creatives kind of giving in to this fringe um, vocal minority that's just pushing comics around. And so he went and, and stated his opinion, and then everyone went off on him, and then he engaged. So... Mm -hmm. Disengage, disengage. <laughs> uh, he is right and wrong. There is a vocal minority that I think is is making a lot of change, uh, but he's wrong in that that's a bad thing. Well, yeah, that that's my only problem with what you said uh, a minute ago, Scott. Is that you're you're phrasing all this stuff as as being bad, and you're and you're horrible if you like this stuff. It, it, it's a bigger conversation than just being bad. I'm it, not it, saying it, I really feel a... that way. I'm saying that that's what's causing the backlash. That's how people feel about it. Right. That's how the fanboys feel about it. Yeah. I it, it, it I don't I don't think anybody should be made to feel bad it, it, one way or another. Other than it, did that, it come it, off as me saying I felt that way? Because that is not how I feel. <laughs> well, I might I might have understood it wrong too. Corey, but did I... it? Uh, I don't know. Maybe. No, I'm saying that's <laughs> what. The hashtag, that's what the backlash is, right? Mm -hmm. Like, that's even what Gamergate is about. Ugh, don't even start on that. Well, <laughs> what I'm saying, it's <laughs> just the same thing. Get involved in this as well. It, no, it, I know. Yeah, it is a little bit of the same thing. It, it's, uh, it's hard, right? It's like, have, have you seen uh, that meme based on the, the uh, Simpsons cartoon where it's Principal Skinner and he says... Uh, what what does he say? Something about 
you know, uh, could life be moving on without me or something like that? And then, and then the second part of the meme says, you know, no, it is the children who are wrong. That kind of thing. I mean, am, I, yeah. am, I, am I out of touch? No, it is the kids who are wrong. I, right, I mean, exactly. I think, I think that we are all starting to suffer that. Like, mm-hmm. we're, we're all getting older, and that the current generation of geeks and nerds and comics reader, their average age, I'm not even kidding, is 23. 23. Wow. Like, well, that's good, right? That's what we've always wanted. It's fantastic. It's what we've always asked for. But here's the problem. We've always asked for it. And now that it's here, we're all freaking the fuck out. Because <laughs> <laughs> we don't know what to do with it. Because well, we don't wait know what a minute. To do. Who's we? No, well, I mean, we being the, the older, the, the previous generation of geeks, nerds, and comics readers. I think there was a 10-year gap. I think that, you know, all us late 20s, early 30-somethings, or into the 40-somethings, Scott... Uh, I'm not going to age Brad and Brad <laughs> I was going to say I'm older than Scott <laughs> yeah but this is fun uh, <laughs> you know there there was this gap where there was no interest in that shit and now it's all made this huge comeback and now mm-hmm. geek culture and pop culture are the same thing and the generation that's into it is young compared to us super young 10 years mm-hmm. easily and you know I, I think there's some fanboyism but I also think Somebody like Larson, he's being genuine. He's not saying, like, show me the TNA. He's literally saying, these costumes are so much better like this. I li- I, this is my aesthetic. I like them like this. And he's even trying to use some real-world argument where he's saying, like, you know, look at athletes or professional fighters. They don't wear a lot of clothes. It's bulky. It's a problem, blah, blah, blah. But right. I, I mean, I think he's wrong. He used, uh, uh, like, Kamala's... Uh, costume as as an example that, who's a new character and she's wearing like just kind of like a square cut sort of dress thing that I think has some traditional value like, to it. No, he didn't. He didn't mean that's a mistake. That, he was he trying he to talk. Like no, it's that's where he got misunderstood. Oh, okay. That's where he's old. <laughs> <laughs> I he was trying great. to say that Captain Marvel, Carol Danvers' new costume is boring compared to the old Miss Marvel costume, which is even a worse argument. But he forgot that she's called Captain Marvel now. She used to be called Miss Marvel. Uh-huh. But now Miss Marvel is Kamala, is right. the new girl. And her right, costume's right. great. But he wasn't commenting on her costume. Oh no! I thought he—I thought he was saying that he didn't no. like it; that it was boring. He and... was saying that the new Carol Danvers costume, ah, Jamie McKelvey designed, is bad compared to Cockrum's. Which, of course, he thinks that because he grew up with Cockrum like I did, and I like all of Cockrum's costumes. I love Storm's costume. I love Carol Danvers. I loved her as binary. I, mm-hmm. I love Dark Phoenix. All that Cockrum era stuff, I think, is great. But that's because I grew up with it. Right. But he he said that he made a mistake because he forgot that Carol Danvers isn't called Miss Marvel anymore. That now the kids called that. But then he went and said, "But that costume's shitty too." <laughs> I think it's great. I think it's got a clean line. It's it looks like uh, it would. Be it's fun a good to draw. costume. I mean, it looks like a good costume. And you know what? I like Carol Danvers' new costume too. I do as well. But I also but I also like the classic. Um, Miss Marvel costume, the black with the with the yellow S kind of bolt. lightning yeah. bolt on right, it, right? And the little red <laughs> sash. I always liked the and red the red sash. sash. I thought that was a yeah. good touch. 
but I also like I actually like most of Miss Marvel's costumes. I also like the one that was kind of a the Captain Cree Captain Marvel, the Marvel mm-hmm, thing with mm-hmm. the star and the turtlenecky looking thing. That was cool. But I think the new one is really awesome. The Carol Corp stuff, yeah. the stuff that looks like um it looks like she belongs to a cool um military group anyway. Well, and that that seems to be a little bit of a trend too cuz the new, the new Batgirl uh costume is very it's kind great. of military looking. Yeah, but it's got a, it it pulls from that military feel as well. And I think the new Spider-Woman costume and as much as I love that classic Spider-Woman mm-hmm. costume, it's mm-hmm. one of my favorites. I think the new Spider-Woman costume is badass too. Yeah, I do as well. You're not talking about Spider-Gwen, are you? No, that costume, costume is amazing. amazing. <laughs> Holy Robbie shit, Rodriguez. that's Robbie, right? Oh my god, yeah, yeah that's Robbie. Spider-Gwen. Here's my question about Spider-Gwen. Yeah. What's her name? Gwen Stacy. No, I know she's Gwen Stacy. But Peter Parker is Spider-Man. Right. What is Gwen Stacy? Is she Spider-Gwen? Supposedly, I'm to understand that it's Spider-Gwen. You know, I don't know the answer to that question. Hey, hold on a second. I think my cat is trapped in the closet. (laughs) (laughs) What's the matter? No, she's she's Spider-Woman. Is she? Yeah, I just flipped back to the first, uh, uh, to the previous issue. Uh, Spider-Woman. I thought I heard somebody mentioning that that she was being called Spider-Gwen, but I could have taken that out of context, too. Oh, okay. Well, Spider-Gwen is the name of the comic. Now, see, now I want to get up and grab the issue. <coughs> so no, sick of this cough. She's she's Spider Woman. Okay. I just double checked. She's Spider Woman. But the name of the the title of the book is Spider Gwen. Uh, I know. Yeah. I think, I think the title of the book is Edge of the Spider Verse. Gwen Stacy Spider Woman. I think that's the whole title. No. I'm looking. I'm looking at Spider Gwen 2015 number one coming out in February, and it says Spider Gwen right at the top of the book, February oh. 25th. Maybe they went with it. I think they maybe they introduced her in Edge of the Spider Verse. I can't remember. I they think do they so much weird naming and shit. I think this new Spider Woman costume is also kind of there trying to Batgirl Spider Woman. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like they're like Marvel's like, well, we'll do a bat, we'll do a, a, well, a younger yeah, reboot too, younger, hipper. I mean, Batgirl is doing so well for them. There, you know, there's so many younger readers. There's so many hip readers. I personally am, am hoping and waiting for the swing back in the other direction where we get fun comics again. I may even start picking up superheroes again if we start getting like fun, exciting, interesting, you know. Well, define define fun because I, I've said that before, but in my mind, it's kind of like that Silver Age uh, uh, fun where, you know, it, it was... It was the real silly kind of Batman yeah, story. No, it's what, what it's what it's what it's what Ringo used to say. It's what Mike used to say. What did Mike used to say? He used to say comics used to be about action, not violence. Oh, that's a good point. That's a that's a that, that's an interesting thought. Yeah, it's, you it's missed like that. A, 
it's like the the nineties Batman cartoon. Yeah. I want yeah. that. I want that back. Give me that. <laughs> Man, this I really like the new Spider Woman costume too, I gotta say. And I like the old one a lot. I love that original mysterious I used to buy that comic when Spider Woman first came out. Mm-hmm. I thought it was so cool that Jessica Drew was a detective. Yeah. <laughs> and it was a good it was a good character. So let's tie yeah. this let's tie this back into surviving creativity real quick cuz I think the the point of all this stuff and where it gets interesting for me is all of these people saying that that things like the changing of these costumes, things like the, you know, the changing of this cover, they're saying that this is censorship. They're showing pictures of like books being burned in Nazi Germany. And saying, this is, I swear to God, they're going online and, and showing these no. images of, of like a Catholic school burning comics in the 1940s and like, you know, like the Hitler's burning books. And they're like, this is the next step. This is this is where it leads. This, this is censorship. This is a slippery slope. Yeah. Don't give them any attention. That's not. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, then then try this on for size. Maybe the takeaway here is about being open to change and being willing to kind of reassess things that you've assumed for a long time. I think and that's a big part of creativity, isn't it? I think not? that's part of it. Yeah, it is. But for in terms of these people that are saying this stuff, I, just real quick about censorship and uh and freedom of speech. These issues include neither. These yeah. Are the <laughs> these are private companies who have properties that they're protecting. And yeah. and when you say things like, oh, you're bowing to the will of some, you know, uh, of some vocal minority. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I Damn straight we are because we're a company whose primary goal is to make money. Batgirl mm-hmm. is, is raking in the dough for us with a whole new audience that we have never accessed before. Something and, that, that they've always wanted, right? Yeah, that younger audience. Absolutely. And our creative team knows what they're doing. They've been successful. And they say, change this cover, change it. You yeah. know, I've got a new audience who doesn't want to see, you know, uh, who doesn't want to see Spider-Woman in, you know, in, in crotchless Lycra. I'm going to put her <laughs> in the Spider-Gwen hoodie and I'm going to make a mint. And yeah, that I mean, absolutely. Times change. Things change. This is it. The censorship and freedom of speech, this is not. <laughs> this is not some government organization telling you you can or can't do something right. in, in this way. No, and, and, and to respond to Eric Larson, too, you know, I mean, creator-owned... Uh, creator-owned comics can have whatever they want on them. You can, you can go nuts. Make the rapiest cover you want. No one's going to stop you. <laughs> Good lord. <laughs> Except the free market. Yeah. That might stop you. Yeah. That's, uh, that's the kicker, right? The free market. But again, I think, honestly, I thought this was handled... Unless I missed something, I thought this was handled pretty great. I, the Batman I, cover. I agree, man. It was handled super deftly. I thought, but you know, it, you the and this is the other problem: the microscope of social media, right? It's like mm-hmm. you're looking at everything through. You're you don't see anything from a wide picture. If you if you were to look at social media right now and just search the hashtag "change the cover," you would think that mm-hmm. everyone on the planet is pissed because. DC bowed to the whims of some <laughs> social minority. I mean, that, you, literally, if you were to read social media, that's what you would feel. 
because yeah, that'd be the that's takeaway. all it is. It's it's just this deluge of people being really upset and saying that you know they're that this is the first step to breaking down to the breaking down of freedom of speech and that this is censorship of art and you know blah 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 and it's like you know first of all it's not censorship the image is out there you can go find it anywhere it's not a hard image to to find this is a this is a pr and marketing decision uh and a sales decision to not put it on the cover they didn't pull the image back from everywhere and even if they had that's their prerogative that is mm-hmm. this is nothing to do with uh, you know, with blocking any kind of freedom of, of of expression. The only thing that I disagree with is uh, your assertion that that it was handled deftly. I I, I read that press release uh, the way it was the way it was written, and, and oh yeah, that I, was a bit I of disagree with deftly <laughs> in that particular case. Uh, in other words, when when I read that, you know, when I read about death threats and stuff like that. Uh, they they made it. They really kind of excused themselves from being part of the process that approved this cover, and made it sound like, well, this artist is getting cold feet, and we respect him, so we're going to pull the cover. Uh, that that I didn't really think was was a great way to handle. I I, I, no, I don't think that was handled that. I don't think it was handled that way. Do you? No. Wait, that, no. That's what I, I'm reading in this. I'm reading this uh, press release. I didn't. No. I didn't really like that either. The, the part of the press release that I think where they screwed up was that they they were unclear about who was receiving or sending death threats. And this is another Twitter scenario. Right. In which right. Right. People. It read as if Raphael Albuquerque was receiving death threats. Uh, because of the way they worded it. What they were saying is that we respect Raphael and we respect the creative team of Batgirl and they don't, they don't really care for this cover and they had not seen it before we released it because it's handled by a different department, so we're going to pull it. Uh, what they were trying to say was that, plus, <laughs> listen, making death threats to anyone who, who is either opposed to or in favor of this is not cool. We don't, we don't condone that. Please don't do it on our behalf or otherwise. Uh, but... It did, it read like, <laughs> it read well, yeah, like but, well, we respect Raphael, don't, don't send him death threats. Exactly, because it's all one <laughs> sentence. It's right. all one sentence. Uh, it, regardless if fans like Raphael's homage to Alan Moore's The Killing Joke graphic novel from 25 years ago or find it inconsistent with the current tonality of the Batgirl books, threats of violence and harassment are wrong and have no place in comics or society. Uh, no one in that sentence is mentioned other than right. Raphael Albuquerque. <laughs> so it sounds like he's getting the threats. Yeah. And then, yeah, and then of that... course, he had to come out and said, I'm not getting any threats. Exactly. Right? <laughs> then he took it to Twitter right. and was like, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> no and one's you know, giving me death threats. And what's really funny, again, so this was is... was getting threats? Uh, if people the who people had originally who said... Complaining about cover. It. Yeah, people oh. who originally said, this cover's inappropriate for this book, were, you know, were being harassed online. And again, this is the microscope of online, right? I would encourage anyone that, that is on the receiving end of that stuff to step away. It's just step away. You know, I know that it's, it's an integral part of our lives at this point. Uh, but Mm -hmm. Twitter does not yet have the tools in place to deal with this shit. The, you know, local and federal authorities are still trying to figure out what, I mean, there's still a Supreme court case ongoing about what actually constitutes a threat. Uh, we talked about it in a previous episode is Alonis yeah. versus the United States. And they're still talking about whether or not this uh, internet rapper writing rap lyrics about murdering someone <laughs> moments after they left his home and posting it online, mm-hmm. it constitutes a real 
genuine threat. Hmm. So, you know, when it comes to Twitter, someone threatening you on Twitter, right now, there's not a lot in place. Twitter's trying to adapt. I think government is trying to adapt, uh, but it is not... Uh, it's not super safe right now if you're on the receiving end of that stuff. Speaking of which, <laughs> this is my segue. <laughs> okay. Speaking of harassment, mm-hmm. uh, let's talk about this Valerie Rozo, Chris Sims thing. Wow. Mm-hmm. That blew up last night uh, at, on Twitter, and it was really, really uh, kind of uh, compelling reading. Uh, it basically, uh, Chris Sims got the nod to do an X-Men book and, uh, Valerie, how do you pronounce her last name? Is it Doors? De- De- I, I, I don't want to flummox it. I think it's, I think it's Dorzo, isn't it? Dorzo? Well, I, I, at, at the risk of being uh, informal unintentionally, Valerie went to her Twitter and said, well, this is the same guy that uh, went after me for months and months and months when I was writing The Punisher and kind of uh, coordinated online attacks against me as a writer and as a person. At one time, I guess he was getting after her on her blog and, and left the comment, what are you going to do, cry, little girl? And around about the same time as this X-Men uh, uh, job comes through, uh, if I'm reading the Twitter feed right, uh, Chris writes an apology, not to Valerie, but to Valerie's husband. Yeah, it's Gallagher. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the whole thing is a mess. Uh, it's Valerie. Uh, I believe it's Dorazio. D D apostrophe O R A Z I O. I it felt like we were missing a syllable. Please, like please <laughs> forgive us for for butchering what what is a beautiful name. Uh, it, yeah, it's a mess. I think it was it was a while ago. It was between, uh, it was like it's for years between like two thousand nine, mm-hmm. uh, and something what two thousand ten or eleven. I for a long time. It, for those of you unfamiliar, Chris Sims is a blogger turned comic writer. Uh, he wrote uh, on his own blog. Kinda. The, yeah. <laughs> He wrote on his own blog, the uh, Invincible Super Blog, for a long time. Then he went to, went to work for Comics Alliance. Uh, but on his own blog, he was never a big fan of, uh, of Valerie. And she had written a uh, Punisher run. Uh, I believe it was called uh, Butterfly or Butterfly Effect. I'm not a Punisher reader, so I'm sorry. I, mm-hmm. I also, I'm also not sure about that. Uh, and he was not a fan, uh, very vocally. And super, super meanly uh, is the best way to put it. Um, and he just kind of harassed her online. Not kind of. He harassed her online, and he sort of yeah. turned. Uh, he not only harassed her, but he facilitated a large group of of vocal and mean minions on her mm-hmm. uh, to the point where she now suffer, suffers uh, clinical post-traumatic stress disorder and <laughs> has been having treatment for it for years. Good Christ. Yeah, it's not great. It's very bad. Um, I mean, I've been on the receiving end of Sims and his cabal. It's not. It's not great. It's not great. But I no. But I didn't. Nothing like this. Nothing like this. This was he, bad. He, he and uh, Ken Lowry and Mighty God King and all those guys. And what was the other guy from Comics Alliance? Azumi or whatever. Uzumuzi. 
I don't know. They all like they they decided I was um, the antichrist when I said that um, <laughs> that the Kirby estate didn't need to get millions of dollars because their granddad worked in comics. Well, the crux of your argument was that the Kirby estate is not actually doing this for comics as they claim they are. The Kirby estate is doing this for a big check payout, which was let's let's all be which honest, was true was the end result, and and then everyone mm. sort of everyone that that was mad at you for writing that one one piece one article, everyone was <laughs> mad at you <laughs> for years vanished into the ether when right. Uh, so the when, point of my article was well, that if you Disney spent fifteen big bucks, check. that if you spent fifteen bucks on an Avengers ticket, that you did not need to give fifteen bucks to the Hero Initiative to offset it. Oh uh, yeah. That was my point. Now, there's a million reasons to give money to the Hero Initiative, none of which is that you have to feel guilty about spending 15 <laughs> bucks on an Avengers ticket. Because everyone that worked on the Avengers got paid when you bought that ticket. Mm-hmm. And that's just the way that it is. And I said that if Jack Kirby is owed money because the Avengers did well, so does Walt Simonson, so does Brian Hitch, so does Mark Millar, or Miller, and so does everyone that contributed to the Avengers and those properties that made it into the movies. Because that was not Jack Kirby's Nick Fury in that movie. Hmm. That was Mark Miller and Brian Hitch's J- Nick Fury in that movie. That's a good point. And Thor that was in that movie it was as much Simonson's Thor as it was Kirby's Thor. So are we going to pay everybody? Right. Like, where does it end? Well, your, your, your argument was well-reasoned and didn't go over well. <laughs> it did not go over well. With Sims, who loves to <laughs> shit on Stan Lee any chance he gets because Stan hasn't died yet, and Jack did. Yeah. So let's be clear about a couple things. He Sims, Sims is a dick. Well, he made, he <laughs> oh made, no, he made a career being a bit of a rabble rouser. I mean, really did. I mean that yeah. that like if you read his pieces, he's he's an insider that like. He knows how to get clicks. This is kind of, he's he's almost yep. like mm-hmm. he's like mm-hmm. he's like the shock jock of comic blogging right boy don't even give him that much credit but yes but that's his that's his shtick he likes to think of himself as that i'm sure he took it way too far he absolutely harassed uh valley Dura- i had no idea uh yeah for like years dude it was bad um and and then it just kind of went quiet for a long time uh this x-men announcement came out i think the way this all started was uh David Gall, what is it, Gallagher, right? Mm-hmm. Valerie's husband um, said something about it, and Chris wrote a, him an apology email, which was super weird. I, I like on one hand, I get it. You don't want to, you know that you've that you've put a lot of pain into this one person's life, and you don't want to just inject yourself again and potentially mm-hmm. bring up. You don't know where they are in the spectrum of of suffering from your shit from years ago. And, you know, but you're still trying to figure out a way to make culpa and, and, you know, you send a, you send this email on the other hand. Yeah. Why, why are you emailing you've her got husband? The cojones to go out, I was going to say, if you've got the cojones to go out and say a lot of the stuff that, that he said. Uh, if you found out someone was suffering from, up. go ahead. If you found out that someone was suffering from PTSD because of things you did, you might be afraid to send them directly an email. Maybe. maybe just to defend Chris on that. I, I, I get that, but so maybe but, send it to her husband so her husband can determine whether or not it's safe to bring his name up. And according to Bleeding Cool, it's ex-husband, but I I don't know I I know oh, Dave no. well enough. 
I know David well enough to go up and, and talk to him at a convention. We've had lots of conversations, uh, but I don't know him well enough to know whether that, that leading cool part is true or not. Oh. Leading cool has him listed as an ex. Uh, but nonetheless, I, I, I don't know. I think if you're going to err uh, on anything, I, I think you, you take the, the, the slight risk and say, I'm going to err on saying I'm sorry. That uh, Out of all the things I've said, that's going to be the least harmful thing that I write. Yeah, I would think just write her directly as well. And and in the end, he ended up writing a, a public apology on his blog uh, saying and just copying to everything like mm-hmm. I did this I was a real a-hole this went on for years you know I've I've grown up changed I'm I'm this was dumb I'm sorry uh I don't know that it fixes it I think there's some things that you can't fix mm-hmm. um and I you know and it's certainly I don't think it's going to fix it for Valerie I the, you know not not wow not, in not her twitter she's soon. calling chris a misogynist and i thought chris was one of these is chris one of these guys that learned all the terminologies and goes online and says all the right things now so he sounds enlightened <laughs> <laughs> do you know what i mean because valerie is straight out going just found out the misogynist POS who was responsible for ringleading mm-hmm. harassment against me online is writing the X-Men. Why did you guys bring this up to me? Now I'm aware of it. <laughs> <laughs> I was perfectly old and unaware of it. <laughs> Sorry. Well, <laughs> it's been that kind of a week. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't know Chris enough to say one way or the other, and I don't follow him on Twitter because I don't, I don't have mind space for that shit in my life um i never really cared for his pieces and i've had personal interactions with him that i didn't really enjoy so like i'm the wrong person to ask that question to because in my mind he's kind of a dick Uh, so uh, oh god i don't want to read this why did you bring this up oh jeez what are you getting to now i'm reading all of her tweets Oh it's terrible. yeah, it's not great. Yeah, it was. It was, I could not tear myself away when I started reading it. it. It's it's gripping. The icing on the cake, from what I understand, is the X Men '92 book that Chris is writing is part of yeah. it is going to be centered around online harassment and bullying. Of and course, it, and supposedly, did I read uh, uh, a suicide, uh, like driven by cyberbullying to the point of possible suicide, which is exactly what happened to Valerie. And unless I'm conflating those two, I, my 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 brain does that. But yeah, no, I mean, there's there's trigger effects all over. <laughs> like, you yeah. know, we thought we thought the Batgirl cover was bad. This is like, you know, for, well, for this Valerie, is this under is the like surface the worst thing that could possibly happen. Oh my god, it's not great. So the question then becomes, oh. you know, for someone like Sims, what? What, if anything, is to be done? Uh, he's, he's... Go get a job at Taco Bell. Sorry, you're out of comics. <laughs> <laughs> but is that the case? He's apologized. He This was years and years ago. People, as you know, people grow and change. Mm-hmm. You know, what is the... what? Is, it doesn't fix anything has for he, Valerie. What is the scenario? Has he changed? I don't know. I don't know him. I don't either. I only know what he's how he's treated me online. Also years ago, worth noting. No. 
Oh, yeah, I guess Avengers was years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Second movie's about to come out. By that's the that, way, that's that old talk about a segue. Again. Talk about a segue. <laughs> You're just trying to get out of the conversation. <laughs> well, it was, by the way, it was 2012. It wasn't that long ago. Not, not that long ago. Still fairly recent. Oh, and I'm... by the way, mention my name to Sims now and see what happens online. I guarantee you it won't be apologies <laughs> and sweetheart and kisses. Well... I'm sure this episode's going to go up, and we're all going to get a little bit of it, but... Oh, suck my dick. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, He he also got mad at me because when Comics Alliance got sold by AOL, I made made the Twitter, (sighs) oh no, where will we get our who could win a fight, Superman or the Hulk articles now oh yeah anywhere else and it was like people are losing their jobs how could you make fun of this so oh gosh look i i don't don't want to talk about chris sims anymore i don't want to give him the attention (laughs) i I don't like that guy i can cut all this out i'll edit the shit out. no don't cut it out it's fine I I the I'll be at Emerald City Comic Con, Chris. Let's fight. <laughs> <laughs> you guys trade a few blows and then you're best buddies forever. No. Uh in old in in eighties in eighties comic or in eighties movie fashion. Uh the bigger the bigger question for me is because wh- this is gonna start happening, I think, a lot. Especially with people our age who mm-hmm. were on the internet at the beginning where everyone had a handle and you could be a total shit and there were no consequences. And now we're starting to see, you know, three, four, five years down the road, in some cases, 10 years down the road, the, the real world repercussions of, of these things. So mm-hmm. what, you know, what is to be done now? What happens? Well, listen, that's not really such a complicated question. It, it's the stuff that we, we got taught in kindergarten, and that is if you've done something wrong and, 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 you can, and you can see that you've done something wrong, you say you're sorry, you make an honest attempt to try to, to, to make things better, and you go forward and try not to do those things again. That's all you can do, and it's the stuff that you got treated at the very beginning of your life. And and it, it, can Chris uh, uh, apologize for doing what he did in this case? I don't I don't know. But it, well, he did. all he, he can do he is attempt. Well, it, uh, can he successfully apologize? In other words, I mean, that... will that apology ever be successfully accepted? Who know, who knows? But all he can do, or all any of us can do, uh, when called on our shit, <laughs> is is to say, yeah, you know what? Uh, it, it, to realize that you've done something wrong, own it, and move on, and not do it again. I mean, I think that's well, the yeah, key, right? and and use that use that as a learning moment and move on. None of us none of us uh, uh, get to go through this whole thing perfect. We've all screwed up. We've all said stuff that we we shouldn't have said. We wished we wouldn't have said. Uh, listen, all you can do is is apologize. Yeah. Sometimes we accidentally say things that we wish we hadn't over the course of two months, directed at one person, or three years, whatever, <laughs> repeatedly, <laughs> and we regret it. We made mistakes. <laughs> no mistakes were made. Use mistakes the were voice. made, <laughs> but 
look, sometimes you fall down and accidentally <laughs> harass someone <laughs> for <laughs> two to three years. <laughs> uh, okay, well, okay, wait, so so what, what, what's the alternative? There isn't one. I mean, that's just it. What do you and mean? It, what are you well, asking? Well, I'm saying if not, if not apologize and try to move on, well, what, what do you do? He's going to apologize and try to move on. What else can he do? Yes. Are and, you asking and, me what Sims should do? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. He should take the bread out of the oven and have dinner. What the fuck am I? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, I mean, I think you, you actually hit the nail on the head earlier, Scott. And you said it, you know, is, is isn't he one of these ones that learned all the terminology and says all the right things now and. I to be honest, I think that's part of it. Yeah, I, think, I mean, I think look, that's, I'm telling you, man, I part of the job is you. You know, the there, question is, this is there's or a not, new movement now, and look, it and, was a it was a great. long, it was a long, hard, thick layer of concrete that had to be chiseled through to get the concept of privilege into this brain, mm-hmm. and it was it was uh, I get it now. But looking back, it's like, you know, it was hard fought to get me to get here. Right. So I understand it. Like, I get it. But, um, I mean, what I'm saying is I understand that it's hard sometimes to, to get to the point where you understand it. I was the guy that said, I don't even know if there is a rape culture. I'm not sure that's true. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I understand now. I get it. But what, but the the thing is that what I'm what I'm observing now from this point of view is that there's guys out there who know all of the right things to say to sound like to sound like they get it to they're sound like feminists they on, right? and they're enlightened and they've had this thing drilled in and it's that's super scary to me the the idea of someone's online persona being the exact opposite of what they are. We we know people like that. And there are a lot of people in the industry like that. They have. I don't know that. I don't know. It's just the opposite of. It's not the opposite of what they are, or that they don't understand what's happening. But it's like they see the way the tea leaves are, and Mm -hmm. they're just going with the flow. You know what I'm saying? It's not. It's not a matter of being enlightened. It's a matter of sounding enlightened. They may very well be enlightened, but it's very important to them to sound enlightened. Yeah. And they know all the buzzwords. They know all the things to say. And this is what's surprising to me about this Chris Sims thing is because he is he is he and Ken Lowry and all these guys have continually beaten me over the head. And you know, like it doesn't matter. Like what's Scott talking about? The Avengers? He's a misogynistic fuck that hangs out with the Penny <laughs> Arcade guys and thinks it's okay to make Dick Wolf T-shirts. Right. Because at one point he said, I don't understand what rape culture is. I'm not sure it's real. And he's a misogynist, right? Mm-hmm. I mean that's the line that I've been getting for years because I office at Penny Arcade during the Dick Wolves thing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so <clears throat> to find out now that during all that time Chris Sims was harassing <laughs> Valerie, <laughs> it's like, what? He's you- been – that is an interesting dichotomy. I mean, during, do you know what I mean? Like it during really that time where you were actively trying to learn and understand, and and we're getting the flack for it. 
uh, at the same time, one of the people you were throwing was throwing the flack at you was going on someone's blog and saying, "Are you gonna cry, little girl?" Yeah, like that's crazy. Yeah, that is crazy. So I think what's going to happen is that it'll blow over and poor Valerie will have to keep dealing with it and this guy will get to get to write X-Men. <laughs> <laughs> you know? That's kind of what happened already. Yeah. To be honest. It's, sort of, it's it sort of already a non-issue. It's sort of already blown over. Yeah. It's already blown over. So well, I guess... Oh, well. <laughs> I'm so mad that this got brought up. <laughs> I'm now. I didn't know about it this morning, and now I do, and, and now and I'm mad. A perfectly happy life. I was fine. Knowing. I was gonna make some eggs. <laughs> Were you gonna put the sour cream in them and everything? It's creme fresh. <laughs> you son of a bitch. <laughs> and yeah, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. <laughs> and I'm going to uh, eat them on toast. Oh, gosh. <laughs> because I didn't want to know this, and now I do. Well, I think what we all learned today is to just stay off of Twitter. And, then, and you know and what? That comic's going to suck because that 90s X-Men cartoon sucked ass. I liked the, I liked the 90s X-Men cartoon. Fuck you. It was terrible. <laughs> I thought it was great. It was good. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I remember liking it. Damn straight you did. You I were... remember liking the pilot that never got made called Pride of the X-Men that had... Oh, yeah. Remember that? All that shit was great. Really? I Now, this is new to me. Before the X-Men 90s cartoon came out, they had another pilot for the X-Men cartoon called... And it was titled Pride of the X-Men. And Wolverine had an Australian accent in it for some reason. You could probably you could find, find it, it on YouTube. Yeah. Oh. Just look up Pride of the X Men. P R Y D E, as in Kitty oh, Pride. Of course. That's terrible. That's terrible. I'm angry now. Don't be angry. Listen. Yeah, I'm over it. <laughs> Lexapro. <laughs> hey, you know what? Do you want to? Do you want to talk about that? I do. Let's talk about it. All right. One of the things that I don't like about creative people is this notion that all creative people are broken somehow mentally. That right. We couldn't create if we weren't broken a little bit. But it's kind of hard to deny that – and maybe it's just that I know a lot of creative people. But <clears throat> And if I was an accountant, I would know a lot of accountants. But I know <laughs> I know a lot of creative people who suffer from – Depression, anxiety, that kind of stuff. Right. Um, and so I have suffered for years from anxiety, and it's gotten to the point where it was it had become a crippling anxiety, wouldn't you say, Corey? Yeah, you. I mean, clinically, you were suffering from uh, what generalized anxiety, right? Mm-hmm. And it had began to uh, in the three years, at least in the three years that I've worked with you, and and maybe in the five or six that I've known you, it started to seep into your, uh, you know, your professional and your personal life, and and to dictate things that you do and didn't do. And it was it was clear that it was long past time to to seek help. But the problem about anxiety is that, especially with the catastrophic thinking that I had as a part of my anxiety, 
was that it prevented me from seeking help right because there was the this this ungrounded fear that if i go went to seek help something bad would happen sure <clears throat> which is really which is really um silly to say out loud now but it, it's recent enough that i can remember how it felt so but it really was um just a very real state of being convinced that if I did go to the doctor to seek help for anxiety, either she wouldn't want to give it to me because she wanted to work on my weight or mm. there was another problem or she would say something like, look, um, uh, yeah, your anxiety is a problem, but you're about to have a heart attack or something terrible. Like if I go to the doctor, they'll find something yeah. and and then, I'll, then it'll all be over. Um, that kind of stuff. But um, it had really gotten to a point where everything that was – and my life is good, right? And I, I think that's um, the one thing that was saving me is that I, I'm very, very happy. I, I'm in a, My job's going great. My family's great. My marriage is great. My friends are awesome. I have an amazing support group. But I think I was leaning on you guys way, way too much and driving you nuts. But I couldn't enjoy anything without this thing that we call a foreboding joy, uh, which is like um, a foreboding joy is where you're enjoying something and you're feeling joy, but then there's the knowledge it'll end one day is mixed <laughs> in with it, right? Yeah. So the example is that we love our dogs. We just really do love them. And every time um, – there was a small period of time where every time Angie would just kind of get all weepy because she loved, she loves Bella so much. She would look at me and say, "She's gonna break my heart when she dies. Mm -hmm. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be able to get over it." Yeah. And it's like, um, I would say to her, "You can't. Every time you think about how much you love the dog, you can't think about when you're gonna lose her." <laughs> but that was literally me with everything. Uh. You know, I couldn't talk to my dad without worrying about with the fact that he's going to die soon. Mm. I would spend every day in the shower. I would think about how I was going to die. I read Lord of the Rings, and I was afraid to tweet that I want to read it again every Christmas because what if I don't make it to next Christmas? Mm. That kind of stuff was mm -hmm. happening. So Corey conspired with my wife to just make a doctor's appointment for me, <laughs> and thank God they did. <laughs> Collusion. <laughs> And then he made a point to come into town with Brian Hurt, and uh, they went with me to the doctor, and I had a panic attack in the doctor's office, and my blood pressure was through the roof, and she was like, yes, you need something, definitely. Mm -hmm. And uh, they put me on uh, Lexapro. It was a rough first week adjusting to it, but since then, it's all gone away. <laughs> Yeah, it's been about mm – -hmm. I think it's been about three weeks now. It's been right? about three and a half weeks four. now, yeah. yeah. Going on our fourth week. And it it uh, has both changed – in my opinion, as an outside observer, I think it's changed everything about you, but at the same time, fundamentally nothing about you. Does that, does that make sense? Well, I got rid of all the bad stuff. But you know what's interesting is I wasn't aware of the obsessive part of the anxiety right. and how much of – a lot of the things that I thought were personal problems I were having with, with people 
or events in my life were just was just obsessive thinking that went away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that cra- that's the crazy part. Yeah. Um but man, oh, she's <laughs> were you worried, Scott? Were you worried that you were going to lose your funny when you started going on uh, uh, this medication for your depression? Um, no, I went through that once when I was getting on testosterone. I was worried that if I got on testosterone and had a normal hormone level, I would fundamentally change as a person, and I didn't. Mm-hmm. So no, I wasn't worried terribly about it. Um, <clears throat> I think one of the immediate side effects this last week, especially getting back from PAX, was a combination of post-PAX depression and feeling run down from being sick and 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 just being on Lexapro is that when you're not spending all day worrying about everything, you have a lot more time. <laughs> <laughs> your brain just isn't is your brain just isn't engaged with this catastrophe that's going to happen every moment. Hold on. L E. Yeah. <laughs> no, honestly, like, <clears throat> I can't tell you how over the last week there's been, even when I'm. <clears throat> God damn this cough. <laughs> Where I'll finish work and I'll be sitting there and I'll be like, I don't really want to do anything. Mm-hmm. You know? I don't want to. I just don't really want to do anything. I don't want to read. I don't want to watch TV. I just kind of want to. I don't want to do anything. That was this last week, and it's just that my brain is adjusting to the fact that it's there's a a large percentage of it that's not constantly worrying about shit. Wow, it's just really weird. I have a question for you. Yeah. Since we're talking about this, mm. in in the past, uh huh. You've had like internet flame wars with people, and yep. I mean this Chris Sims thing is a perfect example. And you know, I had already forgotten about it. God damn it, Corey! <laughs> <laughs> but my question to you is: Do you think any amount of that was caused by your your the the obsessiveness that comes? Oh, with I the think all anxiety? of it. I think all of it. Absolutely. Yeah, because um. There was an obsessive um, thinking component to my anxiety. Like an element to it where you just you couldn't yeah, let no. shit go. No, I, I, could not, I could not disengage mentally from certain things. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's one of the things, right? Like, my dad is 71, and yesterday he was talking to me and he said, and he's going to come to PAX. And he's like, yeah, I want to do some more fun things with you before I kick the bucket. And I go, geez, dad, how many times are you going to say that? You're not going to kick the bucket. Whereas before Lexapro, I, that would have wrecked me for the day. Cause I've been yeah. like, he is going to die. Yeah, he's going to die soon. Been over, yeah. yeah. I mean, he's right. He, and, and now he's worried he's going to kick the bucket, which probably means he's going to die sooner. Cause he's, He's. It's going to be a self-fulfilling prophecy. Right. I'm not going to have him around much longer. And then just this. Then there's just this underlying (coughs) sense of dread that's always there that you're not Mm -hmm. even conscious of. Um. But no. Um. I. I don't. I don't lock on to things like that so much anymore. I just don't care. Which is good. I mean, you Mm -hmm. shouldn't care. It's freed you up for a lot of artistic endeavors. 
I mean, I'm just going to throw that out there. I mean, it, it really has, again, as like an observer of all this happening, I mean, you're, you're the, the kind of obsessive things that, that new technology and the internet are perfect for, you know, like hitting certain news websites over and over and over again. Yeah. Uh, Facebook, Twitter. I mean, if you sit and actually look at some of these products, they're built around getting you to come back over and over and over again. Facebook alone, you know, mm-hmm. five, what is it? Half a billion users or something like that. And, and of them, 40 something percent, it's the first thing they do when they wake up in the morning. Is so like check right. Facebook. One of the things I've noticed about Lexapro, the first thing I noticed that was different was I realized I didn't have my phone with me one day. I was downstairs and I went to look up something on my phone and I didn't have it. And I realized that I had gone to the bathroom earlier and I had left my phone on my charging station. Gone to the bathroom, gone to the kitchen to make food, gone out front to take trash out and gone downstairs afterwards to play some video games and I didn't carry my phone. And it used to be with before the Lexapro, I would not leave a room without my phone because if I have a heart attack, I need to be able to dial 911. Mm-hmm. From wherever wow. I am. That that was your thought. Yeah, no, don't go anywhere without the phone. Right. Because, because when it hits, when I have it. my stroke or my heart attack, <laughs> I need to be able to dial nine one one because I'm home alone. Not and if that, it hits. When it eventually, right. of course, hits. Right. Yes. When it hits. Yeah, yeah. And that that fear a lot of it from your father having a stroke. Well, my mom died of a heart attack. My dad had a stroke. And you know what's really funny is the doctors like, do you have any history of heart disease in your family? I'm like, well, my grandfather died of a heart attack and so did my mom they're like oh was it heart disease and I go well they died of heart attacks and they go well was it heart disease mm-hmm. and I'm like what do you mean <laughs> their heart what, stopped what's, what's the difference <laughs> and I go well my you know my grandfather was a smoker and he had high blood pressure medicine and he stopped taking it and they're like okay that's not necessarily heart <laughs> disease right like you know what I mean yeah you but, just described to us why he died and it is not an heart right. disease it, it ain't but what I'm saying is that was my thinking. But I was downstairs. I'm like, oh, I, I left my phone upstairs. Ah, oh, god damn it. Mm-hmm. But I didn't immediately run upstairs to get it because what if? Right. Yeah. That's when I noticed. But but yeah, I mean, Corey, honestly, I've even said to you, like, do you think all the stuff that happened with me recently, a year ago, where I had, you know, kind of uncomfortable situations with friends and stuff, would that have even happened? If I had been on Lexapro back then, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And it, it's debatable, right? Yeah, you said it, it was probably still going to happen, but I would have handled it better. Would have been to a lesser degree. I think things would have been... I think I think that's true for you know a lot of... A lot I would of have stuff. acted differently during it. Sure. Yeah. So anyway, if in the past you thought I was a dick, give me a shot. I'm a different guy. <laughs> you might like the new me. I'm being treated chemically. Wait, wait Scott Kurtz, try him again for the first time. I went to see. I went to see. I'm like new Coke. But new, new, yeah, new Kurtz. I went to see a counselor yesterday because it was prescribed by my doctor, and we sat down, and she's like, "I think you're fine," and I'm like, "Yeah, I don't know what to talk to you about." She's like, well, why did you want to talk to me? And I'm like, because I was thinking about death all the time, and I didn't want to anymore, but the pill kind of stopped that. Uh-huh. She's like, well, if you ever want to talk about anything, I'm here. And I'm like, okay. 
<laughs> oh, really? That's how that's how the counseling session went. You just kind of went in, and she said, "Okay, you're fine, and and you're co- are you going to go back?" I might. I mean, uh, uh, it's like I said to Angie. Like, oh. I feel like I'd be making up stuff to talk to her about. Like, what do I talk to her about now? Oh, I'll give you a list. Listen. And not in your life, mine. I, I would love to have, what is it, 45 minutes? Well, listen, I that's the thing. I said to Angie, like, <laughs> I didn't want to leave because I just wanted to talk to her. Yeah. Like, like I just wanted to vent. But is that what I'm supposed to do? Oh, like my the, God. Yes. I really felt like I needed therapy before because I was thinking about death all the time. And she said, the reason why your doctor recommended you see someone is that a lot of people when they get on anxiety medicine the medicine itself is not enough because you get into a habit of certain modes of thinking and you can't get yourself out of them Uh and then with other people sometimes once you get all of the obsessive catastrophic thinking out of the way that was eating up all your brain cycles the real problems can bubble up Uh and I said no the problem was it was not that I had real problems bubbling up. The problem was that I was there was a really awesome life I wasn't enjoying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and burdens I was putting on my my you know my best friend and and my wife, and they were going to kill me. <laughs> um, Corey and Angie were going to destroy me, and Brad too. <laughs> they were all going to kill me. Brad, remember that time we were driving? I think it was one Emerald City Con, mm-hmm. and I just started I, crying in the car. I, I was actually remembering that with Emerald City coming up. It was. We pulled into a gas station. And, and I just and, was and like, I don't want to feel this way anymore. I just started crying. The enormity. You could just see the enormity of it just hit you. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 there was, and, and as a friend, there's nothing you can do in a situation like that except – Listen, understand, and I—I uh, I, I believe I made myself useful by going out and pumping the gas. <laughs> and so you, you <laughs> just sit here and 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 concentrate on breathing for a little bit, and and we're going to get past this. Uh, but yeah, I, I remember that, and 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 we talked even back. Then. Well, listen, we had had conversations uh, about how going to see a counselor might be beneficial uh, for years going back. Yeah, and which yeah. is why I'm thr- all all joking is I was gonna make you know a, a joke about how I'd love to sit down and and just have somebody who's forced to listen to my troubles for 45 minutes you know instead of telling them to my wife and she says I know I know I know but uh, but but in all seriously hacky jokes aside I'm thrilled to hear that that this worked out well for you yeah so far so far so good. Yeah. I think it's going to be great. The doctors, I've been to the, someone who used to be afraid to go to the doctor, I've been to the doctor like four times in the last <laughs> month. I can't, yeah, I I, they're getting to know me. I think when I first met you, you hadn't been to the doctor in years. And then when I first started working no. for you, it had been, and this, this appointment was your first real doctor appointment, like seven or eight years probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Easy. Yeah, Corey was like, I love the doctor. I go every six months. And I'm like, you're fucking nuts. You're out of your goddamn mind. I go every six months just to just because. I, I Do you really? Oh, yeah, man. You're one I, of those I, guys, huh? I'm a firm believer in, uh, and my doctor as well, a firm believer in preventative medicine. I mean, I just, I just go. And because, look, 
I no, you're the, you're right. You I you are you do insurance. have the right method. Yeah. Yes, yes. I You've got the, the insurance. insurance. If nothing's wrong, it takes ten minutes. My doctor's happy to see me. She's mm-hmm. great. I, it, I and I, I tell you, man, so many issues have been nipped in the bud before they become a real issue, just by seeing her every six months. Just just. <laughs> What's go, funny is now I got happened. the opposite problem. Right. Like what? now you're well, going too often. No, now I have the opposite problem. Like now I'm like, eh, I'm fine. She listened to my heart, my lungs. I'm fine. <laughs> and now I don't need to go. I know. I'm, no, but no, I mean, not that I won't go to the doctor. I don't have any problem going to the doctor. When I went to see the counselor, it was the same doctor's office. Right. Yeah. And I show up and there's an ambulance out front. Oh, and I'm like, oh no. And I get in there <clears throat> and these paramedics come in with a stretcher and they bring this older lady out in the stretcher and she's got like an oxygen tube around her nose and I was and I was like oh let me get out of the way I don't want to block the way and then um, it wasn't until the drive home when I was telling Angie that that it dawned on me that before seeing that would have freaked me the fuck out mm-hmm. yeah you would have been over for for your appointment and for the day that would have been it yeah <laughs> that would have wrecked me like oh boy that's gonna be me that yeah. that one would have been a two day. Uh, easy. Now I'm just angry thinking about it. Nah, I mean you can't uh, you can't do that either. Yeah, Look, you I can't think, beat yourself up over lost time. That's what, that's I, counterproductive. I think this is a problem in in artistic industries in general. Is we we tend to not take care of ourselves. You know, how many artists do you know are working at the table oh, too many hours a day? They're wrecking their necks and their backs. They're mm-hmm. not, you know, oh, I'll go yeah, another time, I'll go like another shit. time. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm fortunate that I have a doctor. When, when I first saw her, I said, look, I think what I want to do, I want to come every six months because, I don't know, I read somewhere that's a good idea. <laughs> and, <laughs> and she just, she, her, her uh, you know, her people just schedule it. And I'll just get a phone call. Hey, it's been six months. And I schedule it between convention seasons, you know, in those breaks between the big runs of conventions. And right. it works great, man. I don't even have to think about it. I show up, and sometimes it's like, show anything happened in the last six months? Uh, no. Wait, oh, yeah, you know what? This, 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 this. Go, okay, well, let's check that out. Mm-hmm. Takes a look at it, and sometimes it's a thing. And it's caught immediately, right? Before it turns into, like, an actual problem. Other times she goes, high five, you look great. Get out of here, you know? Stop sitting at your computer all day, lose some weight. <laughs> all the general doctor <laughs> shit that they all say to us, right? It, I had it's... a friend one time that was having a pain in his abdomen. He went in, <clears throat> and the doctor said, well, it could be this or this or this or this. We don't really know why men have these pains sometimes there. And I'm like, how could a doctor tell you that? Mm-hmm. Like, what kind of doctor says, eh, some, we don't know why men have these pains? And my friend told me that the doctor said that men are so bad about going to the doctor that they have less information about male, male problems and female problems. You're talking oh, really? about like like male anatomy in particular, genitals. Yeah. Yeah. Like because men will just not go in. Yeah. Yeah. So that's because, crazy. Because they don't want to, you know, and I, yeah. I mean, that's a thing, right? Listen, listen, I don't think you're necessarily alone when you expressed the opinion that if I go to the doctor, they're just going to find something. I don't no, think that's. I don't, I don't think, think you're the only person who thinks that way. <clears throat> no, but what I'm saying is this: the, the takeaway from this is, if you're, if you feel this way, or if you know someone that feels this way, do what you can to support them and get them to go to a doctor. Because mm-hmm. you know, go with them. Do you know? Like I, th- I honestly feel that 
if Angie, because Angie couldn't get me to the doctor, but Corey was like, I'm coming to, from Portland. We're going we're gonna to take him to the doctor. We're going to make sure he gets there. Brian was in town from St. Saint, from Saint Louis. He literally and, and... held my hand <laughs> all the way to the doctor's office. Not literally, metaphorically, but practically he held my hand. So It was a piggyback ride. I mean, ultimately, mm-hmm. Scott, Scott was walking. I was, I was riding. You know, when Hurt came in and, and, and Mike and Jerry were very supportive because they've been through it. You know, they've been telling me for years. Yeah. And, uh, and so you got to find that support group and get in to see a doctor because it'll change your life. Well, anyway. I, I think your work is better for it. I think that... Uh, we'll see. No, I, I mean, honestly, in the, in the, in the few weeks... It's it's been better. You you've always had a problem uh, when it, when you're scripting stuff. You've always had a problem writing endings. I don't know if you're aware of this or not. You might be aware of this. You have trouble with endings. You have trouble ending mm. things, right? So like when we're writing a storyline, often it's hard. It, it would be hard for Scott to get to the end of something because it's the end, right? It's the end <laughs> of the storyline. It's the end of a piece. And we went to uh, Pack South, and on setup day, Scott stayed at the hotel and was working. I went and set up, and he just wrote out a whole back half of a storyline like it was no big deal. Didn't huh. even bat, didn't even bat an eye, and I didn't bring it yes, up with I you did. either, Scott. Yeah, you just did it, <laughs> and it was just done. And then you, you know, you that night you're like, hey, read this. I wrote that. I think this is good. And I'm like, oh yeah, this sounds this is great. But uh, you know that that back half of storyline had needed to be written for a long time. And well, pre- anyway, pre-lexipro. if you didn't like the old Scott, <laughs> give the new Scott a try. I'm going to be at the Emerald City Comic Con in a couple weeks. I'm going to yeah. be in the Sky Bridge. If you're a cartoonist, and I'm saying this with all sincerity, if you're a colleague that got rubbed the wrong way by me and you did not like the me that you saw, I would love it if you would give me a second chance because... <laughs> I'm all better now. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, and if you're a if you're a fan and you feel some of this stuff and want to talk to somebody, we'll all we'll all be there. Brad will be there. If I'll you want to talk about this, if you're Tavis having issues with this, we'll all be there. Yeah, Tavis. Hey, Tavis. So Tavis came in the office earlier. And he's just been. Very he's just quiet listening. <laughs> you can pop on the show. Say hi. He's he's typing right now. I know. We we run a virtual office, so we have avatars. Say he's, hi, Tavis. He says we're funny, and and he is Tavis. Not, but... <laughs> <laughs> there he is, Tavis Bot. <laughs> Dude, I love that drawing you did of Jonas's gem persona. Oh, thank you. So good. That show is so good. I know. All right, can we wrap this up? I gotta go make eggs. Well, <laughs> I'm gonna go get a donut because it's and Wednesday. Coffee. Go yeah. f yourself. Are you going to Blue Star? I'm going to Blue Star Donut. God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> if you ever come to Portland, Oregon, listen. If you come to Portland, Oregon, this is what you take away from this episode. All right, change the fucking change the cover. Apologize and try and do better. Get on Lexapro. And if you come to Portland, don't go to Voodoo Donuts. <laughs> Everyone's going to tell you Voodoo Donuts is a spot. Go to Blue Star Donuts. That's the spot.
Thank you so much for joining us this week on Surviving Creativity. If you like what you heard, please head to patreon.com forward slash surviving creativity and consider becoming a patron. Don't forget we're available on iTunes. Just search Surviving Creativity and add us to your queue. You'll get updated every time we have a new episode. If you're already a patron, thank you so much. And remember, you can comment on episodes or ask questions at patreon.com. We love hearing from you. Thank you again. We'll see you next week on Surviving Creativity.